Hey y'all, welcome to a regular bitches podcast. It's your girl Jessica and I am just a regular bitch who loves to run her mouth. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into it. Hey, hi, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, episode nine. Um, first and foremost, it is Halloween, the day I'm recording this. So happy Halloween or happy belated Halloween to everybody. Um, I do want to apologize for last week's episode. I wasn't the proudest of it. Like just being real, like I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So I feel like I need to apologize to you guys and to myself. Um, I like the first part of it, but the rest of it was just kind of like all over the place. So, but we move on, we do better, we work on it. But yeah, so happy Halloween. Got a full day planned over here. So I'm not sure how long this episode is going to be. Um, I didn't curate as many topics as I normally do, but I also can talk a lot. So who knows? Um, but got a full day planned. Um, being that we're not doing the traditional, well, we never did the traditional trick-or-treating with my daughter. Um, cause that's just a lot, especially when Halloween, like usually falls on a weekday and like I have work the next day. I'm not trying to go out and walk a neighborhood for two hours. And like my neighborhood doesn't really do Halloween. So I would like legit have to go to a different neighborhood to do Halloween just to make it worth it. So we've always done like trunk or treats for her, which are just a lot more simple and a lot more fun. But, um, you know, we are in the middle of a global pandemic, so I'm not doing that. So just got some activities planned. We're going to paint as per her request. Um, I got some really cool green glitter glue to make slime with because she's been really about that. And we're going to make a fuck ton of it because these are like three decent sized bottles. I was going to do glow in the dark glue, but that shit's like $10 a bottle for like a standard size bottle. I'm not trying to spend that kind of money. That's a lot for a slime that's going to, she's going to leave to dry out and will be in the trash within like 72 hours. So, um, found some cheap glue, but so we're gonna make slime. We're gonna make some, uh, pumpkin shaped Rice Krispie treats. And then I make some popcorn homemade because that's the only thing worth eating. Either homemade popcorn or movie theater popcorn. I hate all other popcorn and I will not eat it. <laughs> but, um, and watch my favorite movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And so, yeah. Uh, so whatever you guys have planned for Halloween, be smart, be safe. Um, if you do decide to go out and go trick-or-treating, you know, make sure to social distance, wash your hands, wear masks if you're going to be around other people, and just be safe. It's not worth getting sick for some candy that you can get half price tomorrow. Um, but also, by the time this comes out, it will be election day. It'll be Tuesday. So um, there's that. We'll see what the results are that night. Kind of. Obviously, we won't know for sure, for sure, but nonetheless. But speaking of elections, that gets us into our first thing. So earlier this week, I saw a BuzzFeed article, and it was 14 people who are voting, 14 celebrities who are voting for the first time. <coughs> Excuse me. I do have a cough drop in my mouth. Um, I have a cold. I don't have corona, but I do have like a little cold, little cough going on. So forgive me if my voice sounds weird because I got something in my mouth or if I take a minute to cough or clear my throat. 
But anyway, so it was about the celebrities who were voting for the first time in this election. And I had, I felt some type of way about it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there were definitely people listed in there who, like, had legitimate reason why they haven't voted until now. Whether that be because they they haven't been able to register to vote as an American citizen or people who were, like, who, what, their first election, they were young and they were sick. So they weren't able to. So I'm not talking about these people. I am just talking about the fact that there are people who just have chosen not to vote until now. We know the current state of affairs with politics. We're going to leave it that. Again, I'm not going to get too in-depth on the political side of this. I'm solely just talking about the voting part of it. It's one thing not to vote for actual reasons, but just to, choosing not to vote when you're eligible to vote and able is very privileged or you're just very dumb. Voting is important. I understand that our voter system is flawed and I'm not going to sit here and say it's not. But if anything, that is even more reason to vote, to give irrefutable numbers that fraud can't even destroy, you know? And it is, it's just privilege to, to finally vote because we are in, you know, you feel like we're in a current state of the world where not voting could actually impact you. Because let's be real, there's a huge level of privilege that comes with being famous and having a lot of money. We live in a capitalistic nation. Money is number one ruler. And when you have that, you really ain't got to worry about anything. And it's just very selfish because I personally feel like you should be voting on behalf of the American people. You should be voting on behalf of making this country as great as you think it can be, regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum and your interpretation of what a great country is. So to sit here, anyone who votes for solely self-interest that's gross. Like, that's just gross. Like, I understand that the whole purpose of the article was, I guess, to maybe encourage people to vote who haven't voted, either because this is their first year eligible and they don't like their options, or, you know, people who are frustrated with the two-party system, so on and so forth. Like, I understand it was meant to encourage people to vote, and that's great. Like, I, I appreciate the message. I just don't feel like we should be patting people on the back because they finally decided that they wanted to vote because they are going to have to vote for things that their money can't get them out of. Like, because, I mean, eventually, I mean, having money, again, is very helpful in this country, but at the end of the day, money can't supersede everything. It can supersede a lot of things, but not everything. And so the fact that people, there are famous people who are like, well, shit, my money can't get me out of this. I guess I need to go vote. I don't feel like you deserve a pat on the back for that. You don't deserve a pat on the back for being selfish. Like, yeah, cool. Like, I'm glad more people are voting, obviously. But I just don't feel like we should be applauding people for doing the booty bones ass bare minimum as an American citizen. Again, like people who aren't able to vote for, you know, the myriad of reasons, I've discussed it before. I know voter suppression is real. I know that there are people who like are in a financial position that they can't like take the day off to go vote or may not have access to certain ways to vote. And I get that. And again, that's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about anyone out there who has had the ability to vote and just hasn't. Because it's not just about you. Your vote is for all the people of this country. Your vote is for all the voices that don't get heard in any other aspect. Sometimes for a lot of people, our vote is the only thing we have to be heard in this country. So I just don't feel like we should be throwing a parade for these extremely rich fucking people who are like, oh, well, my money's not going to be able to fix this. So I guess I need to go vote so I don't have to deal with it. It's just, it bothers me. It bothers me. And again, it's not even about, I, I always say, you know, I hate when people are mad at celebrities just because they have money. I'm not mad at you because you have money. I am mad at you because your money has made you self-centered to the point where you know that your money can afford you so many things that you don't have to care about others. And while it's true, yeah, you don't have to care about others, but it's about doing what's right. It's about making sure that, you know, marginalized people in this country have a voice and can be heard and working for a better America for all of us. So it just, it made me feel some type of way. I just don't see the point in applauding people for doing something that they should have been doing as soon as they were able. I'm I'm not a voter die type of person because I understand that not everyone can vote for a myriad of reasons. But if you can, you absolutely should. Which, by the way, for anyone who is doing mail-in voting, who plans on doing mail-in ballots, depending on where you live, your ballot may not be counted if it is not received by election day. So I would implore all of you If you can't, honestly, I would implore anyways, if you plan on doing mail-in ballots or absentee ballots, to take them to a ballot drop box or take it to your board of elections and make sure it gets there on time. Make sure your vote gets counted and make sure your voice gets heard. That is extremely important. So, and for anyone who is doing early voting, you know, going out to the polling places, Social distance, wear your mask, keep your hands clean, all that good stuff. But yeah, it just doesn't sit right. Voting is very important, and I think we also need to push the importance of voting in general, and that could be also like a societal failure. I feel like sometimes we don't, like we don't talk about the importance of voting until it is literal just presidential elections. I think it is important to not only talk about voting in those cases, but again, in your local elections, which are going to be more impactful to your day-to-day life. I think that's very important. We need to push the importance of voting, which again, which is why I understand the premise of the article. Because, you know, you have people who look up to certain celebrities and that's great. And, you know, it's like, well, look, they're voting. You should too. I get it. But again, it just, just didn't sit right with me. I mean, just it just kind of bugged me. So that's that on that. But it's just it's extremely privileged to just choose not to vote because regardless of the results, pretty much you'll be fine either way. But speaking of privilege, another thing I want to talk about is something I've been seeing that bugs me so much. 
it goes by many names, um, eco shaming, green shaming, sustainability shaming, whatever. So we obviously know that climate change is a thing. Pollution is bad, blah, blah, blah. We know that. And I'm definitely a big proponent for individuals to do what they can feasibly within their own life to reduce their carbon footprint. Like we have to do better, whether that's reducing single use plastic by buying reusable straws and, you know, getting your own reusable grocery bags, whether that is, you know, if you have access to like the low waste package free markets where you can get things in like glass containers and things like that, instead of having, you know, throwaway packaging, whether it's you bike to work instead of drive, using solar energy, if you're able, like what, what have you, like whatever is accessible and feasible for you that you can do to help the planet, I think is wonderful. I think it's absolutely wonderful. That being said, shitting on people who aren't able to, one, makes you a dick. And two, what you don't realize is a lot of this stuff is very classist. And I don't think we talk about classism enough. You know, we talk about so many of the other isms and phobias and all that, you know. When classism is one of the largest problems. Now, don't get me wrong. You do have the intersectional issues of, you know, dealing with classism while also dealing with racism or dealing with classism while also dealing with homophobia and things like that. So like, of course, you know, if you're a marginalized person dealing with classism, it's even worse. But like at the end of the day, classism can literally affect any singular person, even whom we consider to be the most privileged on a grand scale, which is usually, you know, cisgender, heterosexual white people. Even classism can affect you. It can affect anybody. And it's not something we talk about. So like the reason I say that this stuff is classes is because don't get me wrong again I'm all for individuals doing what they can and of course we as the people can have a very strong voice when we work together so you know of course we can do things like our own personal trying to live sustainably but I think the better approach is us reaching out to brands and companies that we like and encouraging them to create more sustainable products at more affordable prices And, you know, as far as like voting for elected officials to help put pressure on large corporations, because what I don't think we understand is that this is really putting it on the individuals of America is kind of stupid in a way, because like there's studies that show that like just 100 companies are responsible for 71% of the global emissions, just 100 companies for 71%. They will be able to change this on a grand scale. Because remember, we are 10 years out from irreversible damage as far as climate change that we will never be able to fix. That will legit be the beginning of the end. And while, of course, those things will take many, 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 you know, I'm sure centuries to take effect. 
I feel like it's still our duty, you know, for the people of the future to give them a world to live in. But <clears throat> putting it on an individual can be kind of classist because being able to live sustainably is a privilege that I don't think a lot of people understand that they may have. And shaming people who can't live sustainably is not what's going to save the planet. And so there's just like a few things that I've noticed in like a few categories, like for example, being vegan. This is not me here to bash vegans as a whole. I don't care what you eat. And I personally do think it is shitty when non-vegans shit on vegans solely for the sake of being vegan. Like if you're like just a normal everyday person and I wouldn't know you were vegan until I offered you like a piece of beef jerky. Like, you're not that annoying person who thinks that being vegan is a personality trait or feels superior. You're just vegan. Like, you're just over there minding your vegan business. I do think it's dumb when people just shit on you for being vegan. Like, it's weak or something. Like, eating protein doesn't make you a better person. So, like, I respect, I don't care what people eat. I really don't. But there are obviously people who are vegan and they preach, you know, how great being vegan can be on the environment because the meat producing companies do put a huge carbon footprint now don't quote me on these numbers because i'm not exactly sure but i think it takes like 20 some odd gallons of water to make a pound of beef i don't remember but it takes like a lot of water just to make a pound of meat and yeah like you know going plant-based at least just you know one night a week going without meat can make a huge impact on the you know if everybody did it can make a huge impact on the environment and your health but here's the reason why everyone can't be vegan. Um, being vegan can be expensive. And I, I know there are people who will try to argue with that. <clears throat> but I am saying being realistically vegan, which means being able to still eat and have a satisfying diet. Because let's be real, if people are just, you know, just eating vegan to be vegan and not being able to find foods that they enjoy, then they're not going to stay that way. Like that's that's not... That's not functional. So it can be expensive for someone to have an enjoyable vegan diet, depending on the things that they like. You also have dietary needs. Some people dietary wise cannot be vegan. And I know there are vegans who are going to challenge that and argue that, but it's the truth. Being vegan is not necessarily a diet that is conducive for every single human being. Not to mention, I know a lot of vegans um, take vitamins, you know, to, you know, help supplement the vitamins they may miss that because I I only think it's a small handful that are like only available in abundance in meat. And again, it also depends on your personal taste. So you may not eat, you may not like some of the foods that would provide you with vital vitamins and nutrients. And I don't expect anyone to eat anything they don't like. So having the money to also have the vitamin supplements that you need to remain healthy. Because yes, you can be vegan and be and it'd be a completely healthy diet. I'm not saying it's not. But then you also have to think of things also like food deserts. Where, you know, the nearest grocery store is 45 minutes away from a town and that grocery store is a Walmart. Where, you know, and and a lot of vegan items are marked up, you know, they take advantage of that and they mark these things up to be way more expensive. Obviously, I'm sure that also goes into the cost of goods and everything. But it's expensive. You know, not everyone has like 
local farms and stuff that they can buy from, which can also be costly. And also there are grocery stores. Like I know a huge vegan um, hotspot is like Trader Joe's. I have a lot of great, you know, I've been there. They have great prices, especially on their produce is probably some of the most impressive prices that I've seen. But even on plant-based items and vegan items, they tend to be way more cost efficient. They're actually really, really good deals. You know, I mean, again, there is like a bit more of an expense in the cost of goods, but like you can definitely tell that they aren't trying to sit here and make this ridiculous profit off of vegan items versus non-vegan items, like their non-vegan equivalent. But um, I have seen people talk about the fact that like Trader Joe's also aren't really built in low income areas like where I live, the Trader Joe's in the town that I live in, it's technically not even a town that I live in, it's in the the main city near where I live. And there's only one, and it is in a more affluent area of town. So, like the, the town that I live in, we have a food lion, um, another store called uh, Fresh Foods, just, just your basic grocery store, your big box grocery store. Um, and then there's a Walmart about 25 minutes from my house. We don't have a lot of grocery options out here in the country. So again, it's about access. And when you have, you know, and there are places that are even worse when you have grocery stores where their produce section is the base of just like lettuce, carrots, potatoes, and onions. Who can build build an entire vegan diet off of that? Like it's, it is a privilege to be able to be vegan. And again, I don't care what you eat. If you want to be vegan, I'm not judging you. But it's not okay for you to shit on other people who can't be vegan, don't have the access to be vegan, or straight up don't want to be. I don't think people should have to sacrifice the things that they eat, like we should be able to have joy within eating. I'm sorry. I feel like that's the one privilege everyone deserves. And and even everyone doesn't have access to that. So there's a huge privilege to be able to do that. Same thing with like fast fashion. I know that is another thing that has been talked about a lot. So when we talk fast fashion, we're talking about, you know, your normal big box brands that are mass producing clothes. So you know, Walmart Forever 21, you know, Aeropostale or whatever the fuck. Um, I just buy my clothes from Walmart, so I don't really know all these other places. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of people shit on fast fashion saying, oh, well, you know, why don't you go to thrift stores or, you know, instead of throwing an item away when it has a hole in it, repair it. And like, yeah, that's that's accessible for the most part. Like being able, if you just learn how to sew, stitching a hole shut or getting like a little iron on patch can definitely save clothes. There are clothes that I have I've been able to increase the shelf life on because like, you know, my mama little thickums over here, mama little chunk chunk. Uh, so I got thighs for days and they be rubbing together. And the demise of 99% of the pants that I've ever worn has been the chub rub. Uh, burning a hole in the bitches. And I have been able to extend the life of a lot of my pants for by, you know, sewing, you know, those little holes that eventually get made. And extending the shelf life of them or repurposing shirts. Like, you know, if a shirt, if a normal like day shirt gets to the point that it's not really good enough to be a day shirt, it's a day, it's a home shirt. Like all my pajamas are 
99% of my pajamas are just old clothes that I used to actually wear out to places. <laughs> like that's a majority of what my pajamas are or um, t-shirts that my husband outgrows, doesn't like, whatever. That's what all my pajamas are. So um, yeah, like you can extend the life of your clothes that way. But when it comes down to buying clothes, like, yes, you can thrift. I know that's a thing. But here's the flaw in that. One, thrift shops are slowly being gentrified and the prices are going up. And it's to the point where some thrift shops are more expensive than going to places like Walmart. Um, it is also, you have to have the privilege of having time. Thrifting is not as easy as is just go to Walmart, go to your specific section, and then look at the hangers and find the little tag with your size on it. A lot of thrift shops, you got to search. You got to look deep, and it takes time. Some people don't have that. Not to mention, it's also discriminatory against body types. There is most of the thrift shops where I'm at hardly have a plus size section and when they do let's just be real as plus size when we all know everything's either solid color floral or animal print and it's definitely of the geriatric variety it's not even cute stuff and i do feel like people have the right to wear things they feel good in so it's already difficult for us to find clothes in the fast fashion market it's even harder because we have such a hard time doing that. A lot of us don't donate our clothes. I don't donate a lot of clothes because I try to get the most life out of them as possible. And then by the time that life is done, it is literally not even good enough for me to donate. It will literally be like, if I donated this to someone, they would wash it once and it would deteriorate into nothing. And I don't like, why would someone want to spend even $2 on a shirt they are only going to wear once because it's going to get destroyed? And also super petite women. I don't speak for men just because I don't really like, I feel like men's, we all know like men's fashion is very different. So, but like I've had experience with women's fashion, me being a woman and then knowing other women and shopping together. But I'm like, even super petite women are going to have a hard time finding things small enough unless they're going to go and wear children's clothes, which is then out of their age range or maybe their comfort level as far as fashion goes. So... Unfortunately, fast fashion is more accessible. And that's the other thing you have to understand is that these companies are taking advantage of that. So yeah, shitting on people for not, again, if you, if you have the ability to avoid buying fast fashion, great, do that. That's wonderful. Don't shit on me because I can't. Like we got to do what we can. Like we shouldn't have to go without basic needs or compromise our ability to have basic needs so that <clears throat> we can save the environment like especially because again on an individualistic level we can only do so much and it's really not going to make as big of a difference until these big corporations follow suit another thing i saw and this was the one that really got me fired up period products i saw a video of a young lady who was saying you have to stop buying disposable period or she said feminine products which is problematic in and of itself because not everyone who menstruates is a woman and not every woman menstruates 
So, but anyway, so she was saying, you've got to quit buying disposable period or feminine products, get a, get a menstrual cup, you know, and here's the thing. I do think menstrual cups are awesome. I do think that there are more, I love that there are more sustainable versions of period products for numerous reasons, even outside of sustainability, convenience. I've been on the fence about getting a menstrual cup because like I have a habit of not remembering, like even though like I have an app that tells me when my period is going to be, I have a habit of knowing when my period is coming and not making sure I have period products. So it'd be nice to have a menstrual cup. So that way, like, boom, get my period in the middle of the day at work, got a menstrual cup right there. Ain't got to go out and buy shit. (laughs) Ain't got to wad up toilet paper in my drawers till I get to the store. Got it with me. Got it on me. Always there. But, and yeah, you know, of course, I hate the idea of the fact that, like, especially for me as a super heavy bleeder, go through so many pads. Go through so many pads. And then I use tampons in conjunction with pads when I go to bed because of how much I bleed. And I know that um, menstrual cups last. You know, I think you can wear them for up to 12 hours. Um, depending on your flow, and they have different sizes depending on the heaviness of your flow. So, I I mean, that would be wonderful not have to worry about leaks when I'm sleeping. Because, <laughs> like, I legit put on a pad, like a, a very heavy absorbency pad, a super tampon, and I sleep on a towel because I have legit leaked through both of those in a night span. Like, I legit wear the tampon because I will most definitely soak through the tampon, hands down. And then I've literally soaked through the pad and and leaked onto my bed. Like, it is that bad. And here's the thing. I don't wear tampons on a regular basis because, for me, tampons make my cramps a million times worse. And I've tried several different kinds because I know some people say, oh, it's the chemicals in tampons, but I've done the, like, organic cotton. It's the same. And I think it is just it being in there. I used to wear tampons before I had my daughter, but after I had her, I couldn't do it. They, they were just so massively uncomfortable. So I went to wearing pads. And for me, periods are already very uncomfortable for people with uteruses. So I don't feel like we should have to, and again, and this may sound very whiny. I don't give a fuck. I shouldn't have to compromise my comfort with my menstrual cycle that is already difficult enough. So like with the pads, I have to buy a specific brand. It is literally always, always infinity because one, 10 out of 10, highly recommend. If you are someone like me who can't wear tampons or finds discomfort with tampons, please try the Always Infinity. I've turned so many people onto them. They are a 10 out of 10. Highly recommend best period product as far as pads. I love them. They're comfortable. You don't feel like you're wearing a diaper. Honestly, I can legitimately go through a day and like forget that I have it on. I'm not like super aware like, oh, I'm wearing a pad. Like highly recommend. Unless I specifically have to buy those in order to be comfortable. And not to be self-conscious and they work best for my body, the size, you know, the shape and size and the build of my anatomy. They are the most efficient product. It is a privilege to be able to buy reusable period products because one, if each month 
let's say my period comes and I have $6. I can't buy a $20, $20, $40 menstrual cup, but I can buy a $5 box of tampons or a $5 pack of pads. So like some people literally don't even have the option. What am I supposed to do? Just skip buying period products for the next few months to save up to get a menstrual cup. And y'all can sit here and think that I'm being extra saying, oh, well, who has to save up to get a $20 menstrual cup? I remember being at a point in my life where I was so broke that when my period came, I had to scrounge up change for two days to get a $1 box of eight tampons from the dollar store that were horribly uncomfortable just to get me to when I got paid to be able to buy period products. I have been that broke before. I have legitimately been that broke that I've had to search through my house and my car and scrounge up actual change just to get a dollar in change to go get a box of eight tampons to last me till I got my paycheck. So don't think that I am not saying these things from experience because I am. I have been too broke to even shop at a thrift store for clothes. I have been too broke to be able to afford certain, even just fresh produce in a grocery store. I haven't lived in a complete food desert, but I've lived in areas that were damn close. So I'm not being extra and overdramatic. This is not a thing that isn't common. I've been in that position. I remember growing up seeing my mother in that position. I've had to go to food banks to get food for months on end. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to eat. I've been in positions where literally all, I remember there was a huge phase in our life when we first moved, moved in together, me and my husband, um, where literally all we could afford was like ramen noodles, stuff for peanut butter and jelly and stuff to make like spaghetti. We ate so much spaghetti, so much chicken and gravy, because that was another really cheap thing. Like, I remember one time the grocery store that I worked at literally had chicken leg quarters for like 11 cents a pound, and I was able to get a bunch of big packs. I got enough chicken to last us two weeks for like $12. And we ate so much chicken and gravy and rice. So this isn't just me, you know, saying it because it could happen to a person. I've lived this life. And I can promise you during those times in my life, living sustainably was not even on the table that I thought about it. I had to figure out how I was going to eat. I had to figure out how I was going to have access to period products. I had to figure out how I was going to buy. I remember I needed new pants for work because mine were just not in a good state to the point where I was so embarrassed because my job offered to give me money to go to Goodwill and get pants. I've been in all of these situations. I have been in poverty. I have been severely poor. I am still not in the best financial spot. I am very thankful for where I am at 
And I know I am very privileged just to be in the position that I'm in right now. But I have been there being that broke. And if you think that you would have had the audacity to tell me during those days that I needed to worry about sustainability, I would have beat your ass. I had to worry about being able to eat. I had to worry about being able to have enough gas in the car to get to work, to make my shitty paycheck, to barely be able to pay my bills and buy groceries. My mom used to still have to take me shopping. A single mother taking care of two kids already. My gr- had to still take my grown ass shopping because I couldn't afford decent clothes. She saw me coming over to her house in the same three outfits. Sustainability wasn't on my mind. Surviving was. I am not saying fuck the earth and fuck the environment. I'm not. I want to have a cleaner and better world. I want to know that my great, 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 great grandchildren are going to have a world to live in. I want to know that we can save this planet from the end of mankind as we know it. But to sit here and apply pressure to people you don't know. Because at the end of the day, you don't know anyone's life situation like that. So to shit on people because they aren't buying the reusable grocery bags or the aluminum straws or going vegan and plant-based or, you know, trying to buy, you know, better ethically sourced products. Some people don't have access to that. Unfortunately for some people, unethical consumption is the only way to survive. And that is unfortunate. If anything, you should be more upset that we live in a world where companies take advantage of the poor's needs for bare necessities that they have to accept purchasing things that are unethically sourced, whether that is through the poor treatment of animals, child labor, or just fucking the planet up to be able to survive. Again, I'm sorry, I got a little, little heated. <laughs> Cause again, I've just, I've been there, I've been poor. I've been poor as fuck. And to think that anyone in this world thought that I was a bad person because I couldn't live sustainably when I could barely afford to live, pisses me off. And it pisses me off that there are other people still going through that to this day. But yes, if you are able to make any kind of little change (coughs) to help the planet do so, Um, I plan on a good benefit to where I live is recycling is free. Um, So I plan on getting a second trash can to um, collect my recyclables and um, be able to do that. You know, I got my little reusable straws. Um, I've stopped using things like single-use cotton rounds as far as like removing my makeup. I use reusable makeup cloths. Um, Using more um, like dish towels to clean with instead of paper towels. 
like uh, my water heater is set on a timer so that it's not constantly running. I use energy efficient bulbs, but these are the things that are accessible to me because I can do them. So yeah, do what you can, but at the end of the day, your survival and what you have access to is more important. So don't be shitty. We can move to try and create a better, cleaner world without being dicks to one another. And we can fight for the change that we need to save this planet without shitting on the people who don't have the money or the means. So just, yeah, all in all, don't be a dick. So I saw a video on TikTok the other day. It seems like I said that a lot. I spent a lot of time on TikTok. I'm just going to be honest. Judge me. I don't give up. Anyway, of an older woman, and she said something very profound that really struck with me, and I want to pass on the message. Um, she talked about how we should preach that yes means yes versus preaching no means no. Because when you say no means no, that kind of implies that the default is yes. That if there isn't a no, if there's not an explicit no, then you can default to it must be a yes. And in the case of consent, that's not, that's not true. And I think that because we've taught it like that, that's why there are people who have the confusion. Now, I'm not making excuses for consent violation because most people know when they're doing something wrong. But still. When you teach it that way, there leaves like a gray area. And to me, consent is very cut and dry. So if you teach that yes means yes, and by teaching your children that you shouldn't do any things without an explicit and enthusiastic non-coerced yes, then it is implied and the default is an explicit no. If there is no explicit yes, the answer is no. Period. Because obviously consent is something that we are still having difficulties discussing in our world as far as rape culture and things like that. But yeah, I I, I loved it. I was like, that's really fucking smart. Because again, if you say no means no, it's like, oh, well, they didn't say no. How many times have we heard that? She didn't say no. Okay, but she didn't say yes. And I say she, because we know women are usually the victims of sexual assault, not saying that men aren't. So we'll, we'll switch that. They. Keep it gender neutral. If someone does not give you an explicit and enthusiastic yes, you need to just assume that the answer is no. And I think just living by that, there's no real issue. And we need to really drive home teaching consent. Because I can tell you right now, in my sexual education classes, one class out of all the sex ed classes that I took covered rape. We watched a video about rape. And it was explicit rape. It wasn't like the, oh, she was drunk and couldn't say yes. Like, no, it was the explicit, like, terrible, like, in the movies, chick got snatched up off the street, thrown in the back of a car, taken out to a, a empty, vacant fucking field. Like, and that's what we were taught rape was. 
They didn't teach us the nuances of what rape was. Honestly, I learned more about rape from watching SVU than I did from anything else. Um, I was, uh, I've mentioned it in a past episode, um, I was a victim of sexual assault. And for the longest time, I did not believe that I was raped because it was someone that I had a crush on. But I didn't want to do what they were trying to do. So I think by teaching it in a yes means yes aspect, it takes out a lot of that. It's just a more clear and concise way of teaching consent. And I think, unfortunately, you know, we as a society have made it seem like that asking for consent is lame or unsexy. It doesn't have to be, number one. Like, just saying, do you know how hot it would be if a person looked me dead in my eyes and said, do you want me to fuck you? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Like, one, there are ways to make it sexy. And to me, uh, maybe an unpopular opinion, I don't give a fuck if it's unsexy. You know what else is unsexy? Rape. Sexual assault. Those are very unsexy as well. So I would rather the unsexy moment be you asking for someone's consent to do certain things to them than the unsexy moment being you assaulting them. Again, explicit, enthusiastic, yes, without being coerced. Consent is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. And we should never make it seem like there is any moment where not receiving consent is okay. So I just felt like that was very, very smart. And I'm so glad that I came across it. I say it all the time. I have learned so much from TikTok, which has then prompted my own research in a lot of cases. (coughs) But I've learned so much. And I thought that was wonderful. So I wanted to pass that on to anyone to be able to use that for yourself, use that information for yourself, pass it on to your kids, your friends. I just think that like, let's end the no means no and let's go for the yes means yes. Because then we will have no issues. I just thought it was good. All right, wrapping up with our quote of the week. Um, I wanted to go with this one because again, election day will be the day that this comes out. And, um, I know I'm sure we're all very concerned of the outcome. So quote of the week for this week is we have always held, always held to hope the belief, the conviction that there is a better life, a better world beyond the horizon by FDR. So yeah, um, I know it's scary. I'm scared. 
So if any of you out there are terrified at the election results, you're not alone. But no matter what, we can't give up hope. And we must continue to fight. We must continue to fight for a better world because it's out there. It's over the horizon. It is. But for those of you who are afraid, I see you, I hear you, and I am right there with you. You're not alone. that's it from me this week don't forget to subscribe leave a review share with your friends and your family follow me on twitter and ig i will have them linked in the description and thanks for listening and i will talk to you next time